I'm Heidi Harris. This is the Heidi Harris Show podcast. I do these a couple of times a week. You can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. I do a live radio show out of Las Vegas five days a week on AM 670 KMZQ. Uh, you can find the times and a link to listen live at HeidiHarris.com. So even if you don't live in Las Vegas, you can hear the show on your radio locally and online. One of my favorite people to interview over the last many, many years that I've been on the air is Ralph Peters. Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters was a military intelligence guy for many years. Uh, he decided to retire as a lieutenant colonel because he wanted to focus on writing. He's written many best-selling books. He's had numerous awards for his, especially for his Civil War novels, which are truly amazing. And they're historically accurate, but they're great, fun, fun to read. He's now writing for the Hoover Institution. He's still contributing mightily to the public discourse. He's been talking about all kinds of threats to our nation for many, many years, and I've had him on about various things, and I wanted to talk to him about this China virus now that something he's been warning about for a long time has come to pass. Ralph, do you remember what year it was that the tornado hit your house? Gosh, I don't. It was about 15 years ago that it was derecho. And it was, it, was, it was an unpleasant surprise. Yeah, and what, the reason I mention that is because I don't know if you remember this, but I had worked so hard to try to get your contact information and get you on my radio show even back then. And so I finally get a hold of you. I'm so excited. I've been following you for years and paying attention to reading your stuff. And all of <laughs> you called me like 20 minutes before, and you said, I just had a tornado hit my house. So I was trying to figure out how long we've known each other, and I was thinking it was at least 15 years. Yeah, it's been at least, and uh, I've always been a fan of yours. Oh, you're too kind. And I thank you for taking the time, because I know you're not doing as much media as you used to. I don't blame you. I did those cable shots, you know, for years, about 10 years, and I don't blame you. It's a lot of work, and people don't realize what goes on behind the scenes and all that. So, Ralph, you've been writing and talking about China for years. Now you've been writing for the Hoover Institution. Obviously, you've been writing nonfiction books and fiction books for years. You and I have discussed the China threat many times over the years. You've talked about the fact that China is a much bigger threat to us than in the Middle East, so why are we wasting all our blood and treasure in the Middle East, right? Are you surprised at how this pandemic has affected the entire world? Could you ever have imagined this? Well, the, the, the sad thing is that, yes, I not only could imagine it, I, I wrote about the inevitability of a pandemic yes. oh, back in the 1990s. And, uh, I mean, I just even read, uh, three or four years ago, I recall speaking to the Missouri National Guard and telling them that if we have a really deadly pandemic, and by the way, this is not the killer pandemic. This isn't the Black Death, it's as bad as it is. But to tell them that they would be tasked to help move things around, impose quarantines, etc. Now, fortunately, it has not gotten that bad. Uh, the death rate, for in terms of pandemic terms, is still relatively low. Although, <laughs> 230,000 dead Americans is uh, that's it's not low to all those families involved. And, and just by the way, Heidi. For anybody who still doesn't take the pandemic seriously, who doesn't, who thinks COVID-19 is a hoax, 230,000 dead Americans, you know, we are over halfway to as many dead Americans as we lost in four years in World War II. World War II, just under 420,000 dead Americans <laughs> in just half, barely half a year, yeah. 230,000 dead of COVID-19. Uh, the only reason I say it's death rate's not as high as the worst pandemics, is this disease kills, you know, perhaps, depending on which country you're in, uh, 2, 3, 5 percent, 6 percent, um, whereas uh, something like the Black Death is killing 30, 40 percent, the pneumonic plague, 60, 70 percent. So the ironic as it sounds, as horrible as this is, and it is horrible, 
and we need to learn a lot of lessons from it. Um, this isn't the big one. There's still a chance that in the coming years we'll see a plague of these dimensions, but that's much deadlier. And if we neglect public health and don't learn our lessons from this practice run, uh, we're going to be in what my old drill sergeant used to call Boku de Kimchi. Right, that's an issue. We're speaking with Ralph Peters, who was an Army intel officer his entire career. Then he left the Army to write, and he's been a prolific writer, author of numerous books, including fiction and nonfiction, award-winning, best-selling books, and he's done a lot of media appearances. He's still writing and contributing greatly to the discourse. What you're telling me is very concerning. So you think uh, there possibly could be something worse coming down the pike? Could it be something created by the Chinese down the pike? Now that they've seen how this works, maybe they'll add another thing to the mix next time? I mean, what are you saying? Well, when anybody, the Chinese, Russians, uh, Iranians, anybody's playing around with, with viral... Um, specimens in a lab and trying to alter them, you always have the possibility of them breaking out. And even in the old Soviet Union, they would have local anthrax breakouts uh, and other diseases, and they'd, of course, cover them up, but we'd eventually figure it, figure it out. But the Chinese, I mean, it doesn't pay to vilify an entire people. So let's talk about the Chinese communist leadership. Yeah, just the government, That's right. That's the real problem. Right. And the, the, the Communist Party of China, led by, Xi, by President Xi, is pure evil, at least as far as the West is concerned, as far as our civilization is concerned. And we still don't know the origins of the virus. Yes, it could have been natural from a, a bat deep in a rural cave, but there also is a very strong possibility that they were playing around with various... Um, strains of, of viruses in the lab in Wuhan, and one got out. Now, again, we don't know. We don't know because the Chinese uh, wouldn't let our inspectors in. That's right. They haven't allowed an investigation. They've lied and they've lied and they've lied. Uh, they've covered up and they've covered up and they've covered up. So the Chinese Communist Party is the villain here. And as you know, and as many some of your listeners may know, I am not a supporter of President Trump. But... I believe in fairness and integrity. And when President Trump gets something right, by God, I'll give him credit. And when he calls this the Chinese virus, I know he's attacked for that. Uh, it is a Chinese virus. That's right. Folks. You know, it came out of China. So, you know, cash on delivery. You know, it's, it's uh, you know, if the Chinese had not lied about it, had not tried to cover up and hide it, if they had restricted air travel on their end, which is what they needed to do, um, well, I'll tell you, the world would be a different place today. And they're proud and they're crowing about how well they've handled it. Well, yeah, because they conceal people in their apartments and use deadly force to lock them down. Uh, in democracies and civilized countries, we don't do that. Now, I wish we were better disciplined. And uh, by the way, folks, wearing a mask uh, it, it is not a sign of weakness. Wearing a mask is a sign of patriotism. Because that mask is not to protect you. It's to protect your fellow Americans from you in case you are infected. It will help protect you. But it's your duty. You know, we all want to protect our fellow Americans, don't we? Uh, even if, you know, they're from a different political party. And so, you know, the idea that, you know, it's somehow unmanly to wear a mask, that is just, is just plain this playing crazy. Yeah. Take care of your family. Take care of, neighbor, of your neighbors. Wear the mask. And you know what? 
it doesn't hurt. Yeah, it's so true. We're speaking with Lieutenant Colonel Ralph Peters, author and, of course, a strategist and just a, a great guy that I've been following for years. You know, it's, it's interesting, too. Yeah, the mask shouldn't be political. My mother can't get this. She's got pulmonary issues that she did not cause herself. And if she gets this, it's deadly. So she's got to be extremely careful. So do a lot of other people. All of us, I think, have family and friends that we either can't see or, uh, or you know, are worried about infection, and that's a big deal. But, you know, the the severity of these lockdowns is, is got, got to be what China's laughing about, what it's done to our economy, what it's done to Europe's economy. When you've got healthy people staying home because somewhere somebody's grandmother might die, I mean, that's the thing that frustrates me the most, Ralph, is the people who are not losing a paycheck telling everybody else to stay home. That's been my aggravation from day one. Yeah, and certainly uh, you've raised a number of points. I'm not sure I can cover them all, but they're very good points. But, yeah, the Chinese not only shamelessly allowed this to strike the rest of the world and didn't even try to, you know, to prevent it. I mean, they needed to stop the flights out of China. They needed to tell the world what was happening back in December, if not November. Instead, they wait till February, end of January, for the first inkling of it. And as you and I were talking off air, it's not just the people that are dying. Uh, there are hundreds of thousands of people around the world who are technically over COVID, but they're having trouble recovering. I, I have a friend I was t telling you about who uh, got a light case of COVID back in February, and then it, the after effects hit him so hard. Very athletic guy. He went from being athletic to not being able to get out of bed. Wow. And, and seven months later, this guy is still fighting his way back to health after seven months. And, you know, it's, it's painful to, to see it. And that's happening to a lot of people. And if you're not prepared to, to really fight, you're going to do some real suffering, uh, even if you are prepared to fight. But anyway, back to the key point of the Chinese. Yeah, the Chinese, they did everything viciously uh, and selfishly, voiced it on in the world, and now they're setting themselves up to profit as widely as they can from it. Because Europe's in much worse economic trouble than we are, especially Southern Europe. And what the Chinese are looking for is the opportunity in the wake of COVID, as these government after government has essentially gone broke. I mean, Italy's, GDP, Italy's national debt is now over 160% of its gross domestic product. Wow. Um, Spain is in terrible shape. Greece is in trouble. France is hitting trouble. France is having a second wave that's just worse than their first in many ways, certainly in terms of high numbers. And the Chinese expect to be able to walk in after the uh, plague moves on and buy up industries at fire sale prices. Now, the Europeans aren't stupid. They see this coming. They're going to try to protect key strategic industries. But, you know, when you're broke, you're broke. That's right. And especially the, Italian, the Chinese are really looking at broadening their beachhead. They already have one in Italy, expanding it in Spain, in France, in Greece. And so they're looking at COVID-19 at this point as a chance to go bargain hunting. You know, they're sort of uh, bottom fishing uh, and basically stealing industries from the West. And we'll see if it happens. We'll see if it works out for them. But right now, the Chinese are threats on many levels. They're military threats. Um, they're certainly political and diplomatic threats. But the key threat right now is economic threat. And we need to work with our European and East Asian allies and uh, partners to make sure we are united against the Chinese because the Chinese desperately want to, to 
basically buy, once they buy into Europe to the extent that they can have a veto over political decisions in individual countries, that essentially gives them a veto over NATO mm, yeah. or the EU for that minute. I mean, if they own the political class and pick your country, um, uh, and and they don't want NATO to do X, Y, or Z, well, NATO is paralyzed because NATO, you need consensus. Everybody has to agree. Wow. And so the Chinese are thinking years and decades ahead, while we're focused, as we have to be, on beating this pandemic right now. So there are many strategic implications for, for what we're going through that have to be well-managed, and they have to be managed professionally and thoroughly. And, you know, Heidi, we need to rebuild the bridges with our allies, because if we try to do this alone, the Chinese will just chop the world to pieces and eat what they want. So, Ralph, you were also talking about the fact that we could have a worse pandemic down the road, and we need to learn the lessons uh, from this pandemic, this kind of dry run, so to speak, even though it's done a lot of damage. Talk to me about what you think we need to do better if there's a future pandemic that's far worse. Well, if there were a future pandemic that's far worse, and we will hope not, uh, you've got to learn the lessons. Uh, you've got to act fast, and you've got to act drastically. You know, it's the old rule that you know, cancer doesn't get better on its own. A toothache doesn't get better on its own. Uh, and the, way, the longer you lay, delay treatment, the worse it's going to be. Well, it's, you know, it's certainly the same case with a pandemic. Something that might be, might be controllable if you act quickly, uh, containable, if you act quickly, uh, once, it's, once it's spread out in the community, well, we've just seen what happens. And public health officials do, I'm sorry, folks, I mean, uh, we all love our freedoms, but uh, public health officials have to be empowered to make crucial decisions if it means preventing a deadly plague from killing millions of people. Right. And, um, again, we're, we're getting a practice run through here for what could happen. Now, it's very hard, very hard, because the world has moved so fast, it's so interconnected. You know, the plague can move from China to the west coast of the United States in less than 24 hours. Um, it, can, it can move around with incredible speed. And we're learning. I mean, this is being laid out for us by COVID, how hard it is to control it. So you need to act quickly. You need to act drastically. And basic things like supplies of PPE. Uh, you'd better have enough on hand. And um, I think the most important thing is this. It can't be political. If, you, if we face another even deadlier pandemic at some point, my God, both parties, or if we have ten parties at that point, for all I know, all political parties need to work together. You can't be playing for political advantage during a plague. And, you know, I'll tell you, what's, what, Heidi, because I've always worried about threats to our country and a studied emerging threats for years and did that in the military and military intelligence. Um, I've studied epidemic disease and plagues going back <laughs> to biblical times. The plague of Justinian or something like that. <laughs> well, the plague of Justinian, yeah, that in Constantinople, that basically wrecked the Byzantine Empire for right. generations. Um, and, you know, the cholera epidemics of the 19th century, that we, uh, we tend to forget about those. I mean, it's odd that we blanked out, but they were three waves of global pandemics slaughtered tens of millions of people. Um, disease is always there lurking, waiting to hit. But anyway, the point is that when it comes to an unknown vector of disease or an unknown virus, unknown bacteria, 
we are still back where we were in the 14th century during the Black Death. When we don't have a vaccine, when we don't have treatments, what do you do? You quarantine. That's all you've got. Right. And it's scary that in over six and a half centuries, almost seven centuries, we haven't progressed to more effective means than quarantining people. And that's the one thing that really does work until you get a vaccine or an antidote or effective treatments or all of the above. So we need to be a little less humble, a little less proud and more humble, and we need to take public health seriously. In the 19th century, uh, we did, and we broke epidemics. Uh, we, we, you know, Ellis Island, if you came in and you had tubercular cough, signs of typhoid or anything, you went into quarantine. Uh, and we need to get back into the spirit of looking more carefully for the movement of diseases, of tracking diseases. And God knows, in the intelligence world, you know, I was a part of it for so long, we obviously need to pay much more attention. We've always paid some attention, much more attention to the threat, you know, from that particular horseman of the apocalypse, mm. from plagues. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're, they're just terrifying. And again, it breaks my heart that so many Americans have signed on to QAnon craziness and the idea that this isn't real. This is real, folks, and the next one might be even worse, so prepare now. Yeah, that's the truth. Final question. Do you think that the uh, distrust that a lot of people seem to have now for public officials, because, you know, I've got some states that haven't shut down as much, some have shut down more, people are not trusting how people like Cuomo have handled it and other people. I mean, do you think that's going to affect the next pandemic if something passes through that people just aren't going to believe some of these politicians who some may feel are crying wolf? Well, in the history of pandemics, people's behavior is amazingly consistent. There are some people that are willing to shut down and lock themselves away. Some people are willing to take moderate steps, reasonable steps to prevent disease. And you get the, the party-hardy crowd to think, well, we might die tomorrow, so we're going to party like crazy anyway. <laughs> right. And, you know, you, you get people that turn to religion people that reject God in, in a plague. That's true. You get all these complex human emotions, and you better have central authorities that are striving to do the right thing. Now, early on when this began to sweep the world, the Chinese didn't tell us. We didn't know. Nobody knew how to deal with it. Nobody knew how bad it was going to be. So I tend to give people a pass for the actions in the early months if they tried to, if they did the best they could made the best guesses they could, uh, and failed. You get a pass because we didn't know. Right. But now, you know, we're, what, seven, eight months into this. We do know various, we know how contagious it is. We know how it spreads. We know how deadly it is. We know the after effects can be paralyzing for many, many people. So at this point, there's no excuse for playing politics with this. And I don't care if you're a Democrat or Republican. You know, you know, the virus, COVID-19, does not check your party membership card. <laughs> right. <laughs> it doesn't check whether you're a registered Democrat or Republican. And by God, we need to remember we're all Americans. And stop fighting each other and fight the damn disease. I couldn't agree more. Ralph Peters, you could find him. Just Google him. Ralph Peters, multiple nonfiction books, writing for the Hoover Institution, still contributing mightily to the discourse as he has been for decades. Ralph, it's been a privilege. I know it's been a long time since we talked, but how much fun it was to, to catch up with you again and get your perspective on this. And you've been warning about China for a very long time. So keep up the great work and we'll talk again very soon. Everybody stay healthy. Absolutely. Thanks, Ralph. Always great talking to him. Don't forget to join 
join me live for my show on AM670KMZQ. You can find the hours and everything at HeidiHarris.com. Also, you can listen live at a link there in case you don't live in Las Vegas. But if you're in Vegas, you can hear it on a radio or radio app or whatever. HeidiHarris.com is the website. Until we meet again, remember, you were created for a purpose. Here's Tony Scottwell. Mm -hmm.